0: you are listening to the bridge community church podcast out of warrenton virginia our church exists to connect you to god others and the marketplace for more information you can visit us online at bridge the number four life.com thank you for listening and we hope you are blessed by today's message So today I'm continuing on in the series that I started last week, The, the Need for the Supernatural. And we're actually going to pick up one of the verses that I spoke on last week, but I'm going to also, we're going to read a couple more verses associated with it, and then I'm going to begin to share. So would everybody stand for the reading of the word today? We're going to go to John chapter 5, verses 37 through 40. Let's read together. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The Holy Spirit, I pray that as the word is taught, that it helps us to be not just informed, but I pray that it helps us to experience all that Jesus has for our lives. I pray for not just open hot minds, I pray for open hearts to receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Be seated. So, as we're addressing this topic, I'm going to share a couple of what I call introductory remarks that I shared last week, and it's this. So, why are we doing a sermon series on the need for the supernatural? And it really is this. We are now, after decades in American Christianity, these last few decades have proven that there is a movement, what I call the de de supernaturalizing the Bible, so that we are. Just confined to what I call the principles, which I believe in those principles, but those principles lead somewhere. And so, consequently, people now read the Bible and they don't even see the miraculous, they don't even see the supernatural. And sometimes it's not until somebody like myself slows it down and points out all the supernatural activity associated with the things that we read in the Bible. And so, one of the things that I often bring up is this, I find it so ironic, how many would say this? How many believe that God is supernatural? I mean, it's like, well, yeah, he has to be supernatural. When he says he's omnipotent, i um, the present, he's always been, he's everywhere and he knows everything, that is definitely something supernatural. But in relating to a supernatural being, it's ironic the approach that some people have mentally of approaching a supernatural God. And so there's a lot of Christians who misunderstand the concept of spiritual life. In other words, they try to keep the spiritual life all within the realm of natural. and don't, Hey, don't worry, I believe in the natural. But there's a, there's a reason we have the word natural and spiritual. Two different concepts. And so people talk about the spiritual and then they automatically push it into the natural and they fail to understand this very thing. Let me give you the definition of a, the word spiritual. This is right out of Webster's. Okay? If you have the app on the phone, you're most likely, you're, you're welcome to check it out. It's, it's, the word spiritual means relating to supernatural being or beings. Now I just want you to pause a minute. When we say when we say, I have a spiritual life, I am in essence telling you that I am relating to a supernatural being. And then American Christianity flips it and goes, but we don't do supernatural things to relate to a supernatural being. We try to keep it all a natural. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, he's supernatural. Then I'm going to have to engage in the supernatural to have a relationship Now, I already know that some people go, oh, man, I'm really nervous about where Pastor Greg's taking this message in this series. Because, you know, we've all, hey, let me just say, everybody here personally or knows somebody who has experienced spiritual abuse, okay? Okay. But, but here's the thing, just because somebody did something like that doesn't mean the whole concept is wrong. There's a thing called, well, then correct it. Okay? That's like, like going, it's like getting a meal at home and because it was burnt, I'm never eating again. Really? Yeah, it was horrible. I even got sick. Now, I understand when you're sick, how many know you don't want another meal for a while? But you don't go, hey, because it was a bad meal, I'm never eating again. How many know you have to work through what happened, but you don't say, I'm done ever eating and drinking again? Because in order to get healthy, you're going to have to return. So what do you do? You correct it. And I don't know what it is about Christians. Something goes wrong in some arena of spiritual life, and boy, it's all out the window. You're like, no. Let's talk about it. let's fix it. Let's make sure that we put out what is not of God, but let's make sure that we keep what is of God. Just because somebody has abused the scriptures in interpretation doesn't mean I don't read my Bible anymore. I thought it was awesome. So let's look at the scripture that we read today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this slow. Because this is probably a great example of how we have de-supernaturalized our view that we don't even pick up what's really being said in this story here. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders of the day, okay? And what I want you to know is what he says about them, and he says it to them. He says, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice. He's talking to the spiritual leaders and he's saying, you guys don't even know what God sounds like and you're supposedly representing him. That's a significant indictment. In other words, you've got all the academics, but you have nothing in the spiritual life. You don't know how to relate to a spiritual, supernatural being. And the reason Jesus said this is because, now remember, the New Testament has not been written. So all you have is Old Testament references. Well, we know in Exodus 33, verse 11, Moses heard God's voice. God talked to his leaders. They can't lead if they don't know what God wants. So God spoke to his leaders. So he's telling these Pharisees, you're supposed to be leading this nation, and you're, you don't even know what God sounds like. So what this is telling us is this. God says, That it's supposed that supernatural conversation is supposed to be normative. Then he says, "And you have not nor seen his form." So he says, "And you not only know don't know what he sounds like, you don't even know what he looks like." Well, let me tell you, in the Old Testament, they did. Jacob in in chapter thirty-two of Genesis, he wrestled with God all night. It was it was God was in the form of a man, but he wrestled. Hey, we even know that the Israelites saw a form of God, Moses would go in and, and a cloud would descend. And when the Israelites were to, to, to leave the cloud in the day, they were guided by a cloud during the day, and then at night they were guided by a pillar of fire. God took on a form for them. And yet he's saying, it's funny, you guys talk about God. You don't even know what he sounds like. You don't even know, you don't even know what he looks like. And then he says this, nor does his word dwell in you. See, here's the key because the word is not in them it's hard for them to understand who god is and david said this in psalm 119 by the way a spiritual leader who said david said in in my heart he had god's word in my heart i have hidden god's word that i might not sin against thee so jesus is referencing this that a relationship with god is a supernatural experience and he's condemning the religious leaders of his day because they have no supernatural relationship with God. Wow. Then he goes on to say this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very same scriptures that testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The essence of this verse is saying this. Following Christ isn't simply an academic pursuit. It is a relational pursuit. It is actually experiencing his presence. Wow. Experiencing his presence. So not only do I have, he's saying, talking about God is not enough. You have to experience God. Hmm. So Jesus is saying, there's a supernatural relationship. Well, it would make sense. God's a supernatural being, Right. So that I have to know what some of those elements are in my life that help me to relate to a supernatural God. But we have been so programmed in our own culture. And I'm, listen to me. I'm not anti-science. But we've become so science, we don't even know what spiritual means anymore. In fact, you, you say spiritual, people go, oh man, you're making me nervous. Almost like... You're scaring me about what the next phrase out of your mouth is going to be. So I'm going to walk you through a story in the book of Acts. And his name is Peter. Peter experienced a supernatural uh, uh, encounter. And it's, it takes two chapters in the book of Acts for it to occur and then, another, and, and also for him to explain. So, it's the story of Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is a centurion of the Roman army. So, in, in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 48, you have this supernatural divine appointment where Peter goes to Cornelius' house. In Acts chapter 11, Peter is called in by the leadership because there's this disconcerting uh they don't necessarily approve of him going to cornelius's house and doing what he did at cornelius's house now let me put this in modern day see cornelius was a centurion who was in the roman army who was an occupying force at the time and from time to time the roman army would commit all these atrocities They would crucify a thousand people at a time at the slightest inclination of a rebellion. So they would do that to put the people back in their place. Now we have a modern day equivalency of this happening today. This would be like a Ukrainian pastor meeting with one of the commanders of the Russian army who is committing some of the atrocities and leading him to Christ and his household and coming back to the Ukrainian side and just say, hey, I just want to let you know I had a phenomenal encounter today. I went to the house of one of the generals, and they've all accepted Jesus. And meanwhile, how many know the Russian army is a big organism, right? It doesn't stop all the atrocities ukrainians would be going let me get this right you were in the household you could have let us know we could have taken out one of the key leaders and you you did what how do you know he's not going to continue in the atrocities did you ask him about his atrocities did he confess his atrocities now you understand the hot button that peter had bumped into and they wanted peter to come in and give an account why, do you, why would you even go to that guy's house? And much less impart salvation? He's a criminal. He shouldn't even be here. So how does a guy like Peter say, well, God told me. <laughs> that, just doesn't, uh, that just doesn't carry the room. Because it almost is like, Playing an ace in a card game. You know, like, this is my ace. God told when, when, I get, when I can't win the argument, God told me. <laughs> <laughs> now you're stuck with saying it wasn't God, and then I get to reverse the argument and go, don't you judge me. See? It's, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a trump card. So how did Peter explain to people the supernatural activity of God that put him in that place to begin with. And now, like I said, so it's not enough for Peter to go, God told me. It's a, Acts chapter 11 is a marvelous book on the supernatural. So Peter appeals to his experience. If you slow down the reading, you see all the various supernatural elements that God used to get him there. It wasn't one time, it wasn't two times, it wasn't three times, it was a whole variety of supernatural experiences because God understood Peter's reluctance to go to a house like that. And so we're going to look at this. What I want you to see is the various spiritual elements that Peter references when describing God's supernatural activity with the Gentiles. And I already know what some of you are thinking, but what does that have to do with me? Trust me, you're going to see that you have the same ability to walk a life just like that. Because here's what would happen. With what I'm about to share that Peter experienced was that. Did you know that Peter could not preach in most of the churches in America today? Because he would be talking about the supernatural. I heard a voice. I had a vision. (laughs) Uh... There was this, there was that. There, I, friends of the, I have friends in, every, in many different denominations, and they have told me how they handle stuff like Peter. Okay, This is what they tell their speakers. I understand it was real for you. I'm sure it was real, but I would just ask you not to go there because our people aren't ready for that. Please, please, please don't tell your Testimony it'll open up too many controversial avenues and expressions in our church. I'm just asking you to, you know, if you could leave out parts of your testimony, I would really appreciate that, because then, because it, this is a church that doesn't necessarily lean into the supernatural, they say. There, there's a de-supernaturalization of Christianity, and it's, it's become second nature. You just can't talk about God's miraculous. You'll say, hey, if you want to talk to people one-on-one, that's fine. But man, just please don't step on the platform and talk about it. Stop. Just, just, hey, preach on the feeding of the 5,000. That's a safe message. (laughs) Well, you know, that was supernatural too. (laughs) But you know, when you get into the, uh, the visions and all this and the angel and all that, you know, it's like, oh, please don't go there. So I'm going there. We're just going to read it. Okay? I'm just going to read the story and let the story speak for itself. Number 1 is this. Peter was praying. My. Imagine that. Encountering a supernatural God all starts with prayer. It says, so this is this is this is Peter talking to people who were upset because of what Expression he had in Cornelius' house. So how does he explain it? Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying. Let me tell you something. So many people complain about a lack of God's activity in their life and they're not even talking to him. And by the way, it all starts not necessarily with me giving God my agenda. I mean, he's actually everywhere all the time. It's not like I need to inform God about my day. He's like, he's there. Okay? I need to spend more time in prayer, not because I need to tell God what's going on. I need to be in prayer so I can ask God to tell me, from his perspective, what's going on. Now, here's the thing. People hear that and they go, how do you know that? How do you know when it's... I'm going to get to that. In fact, we're just going to... Peter's going to lay out for us how to walk in the Spirit. Starts with prayer. Number two, it says Peter fell into a trance and saw vision. I know somebody in their brain just went, there he goes. I knew he was going to the deep end today. (laughs) Hold on. And in a trance, I saw a vision. See what I mean? Peter couldn't even preach in most of our churches today. Just that sentence alone, pastor's up on the platform, well, God bless you, didn't you enjoy his little testimony? (laughs) Come on, we know that's what would happen. I'm not mocking. That is what would happen. God bless you, Peter, but I do not want that being said in our church. Our people aren't ready for that. He says, I... He says, I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. So here's the thing. We need to understand, number one, he says a trance, and he says a vision. But without an orientation and understanding of what Christianity means by that, we start borrowing secular ideology and we're launching definitions into the church. And they aren't always biblical definitions. I mean, when was the last time anybody talked about a trance as a Christian? You know. <laughs> so, hey, let's just, let's just delve into the word. The word trance that was used in the Greek here means this. Although awake, the mind is drawn off surrounding objects and is wholly fixed on forms and images lying within. Let me say it this way. Most of you have experienced the trance. Have you ever been in a room and you weren't in the room? In other words, your mind was somewhere else. And you weren't paying attention to the conversation. You didn't even know certain people had come in. And you didn't even know certain people had left. And you you were so engrossed in what was in your mind. And you were so... Somebody was going, hey, 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 hey. And you went, huh, huh, oh, yeah. And they went, welcome back. (laughs) Good to have you back among us. You went, yeah, yeah. They said you looked like you were uh, thinking about... Yeah, yeah, I was yeah sorry about that I and if they said can you tell us what your thoughts are in the last five minutes of the meeting you'd go yeah I'm clueless I have no idea who said what what was said see we we do experience these tra- where we something in us grabs our attention and we literally give it all of our undivided attention that we're our eyes are open but we're not seeing what's happening around because we're so involved in what we're processing internally so I said it's like you're in the room but you're not there we know that that's possible then he says this in his trance he saw a vision the word vision means which that which is seen so in, he, he literally saw this he is so Blocked out what's going on around him, that this dialogue, this, this thing that he's focused on now is turned in. He's, he's literally experiencing it. and it says this. He says, I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. So this vision was real to him some of you have had the same thing you just wrote it off to other things you've you see what's happened is this we're so good about telling everybody what an evil urge is I mean we all How you know what all, everybody knows what an evil urge is right don't worry I'm not gonna ask you to confess what those are but we've all had a person or two in our life and as you're standing there you just went I want to smack you and then, you know, how many know that's an evil urge? <laughs> and, then, and then the divine urge kicks in. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> it would be a bad idea. And then the evil urge just says, ah, let it fly. <laughs> and then the divine urge says, no, nah, you don't want to. Then, then the evil urge is, well, then tell them off. And because your parents taught you not to say everything that crosses your mind, called maturing you go yeah I don't I don't need to say that I don't want to say it it, once I say those words I can never get them back in no I'm not I'm not gonna say that we all know what an evil urge is and we all know how to counter it that's part of that's come on every parent in this room at some point has had a conversation with your child when you got back in the car after being at a store and saying you don't have to say everything at such a high volume (laughs) for everybody in the store to hear what you're thinking In fact not everything that you think needs to be spoken (laughs) okay how many have ever done the uh, inside voice outside voice thing with your kids oh is that too old-fashioned for some of you well then I just gave you a brand new tool (laughs) yeah this vision was real to him now notice what he says Peter says I heard a voice Oh, some of you go. Oh man! <laughs> Come on. In those conversations that you have internally, that illustration I just gave, then you have a conversation with yourself, back and forth. Say it now. You don't want to do that. Do it. No, you don't want to do that. We see we have these we have these conversations even inside of our head. And it says, then I heard a voice telling me, "Get up, Peter, eat, kill, and eat." I replied, "Surely not, Lord." Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. See why Peter would never be invited to most churches? (laughs) Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And then it was all pulled up to heaven again. So we, we have, I'm only at the third one right here. He says, I'm praying And somewhere in that prayer, I stopped praying and I was like just in a train. I was, and then it turned into a vision and then I heard a voice. So you notice he's using these tools to explain to his brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let me tell you what God had to do to get me to go to Cornelius' house. Because you're right, last place I want to go. God only knows the atrocities he's committed or he's been a part of or he's ordered. Why would I want to go to the house? I want to show you what God had to do to get me there. It wasn't a one-time supernatural. God kept hitting me with the supernatural. And God's speaking. That makes some people nervous. People will say, say to me. So, how does God say? Does God talk to you? Do you hear God's voice? Yes. Some of you went, oh, he said it. Yeah. Yeah, he talked. Well, like, audible? Did he call you on the cell phone? How does he do this? How does he talk to you? Everybody knows what it's like to have a conversation inside your heart. Some of you go, yeah, I was in this environment. I was getting ready to do X, Y, Z. But then I heard my grandma's voice just yelling in my ear. And I knew I needed to walk away. That was not your grandma. That was the Holy Spirit. And God knew. To use your grandma's tone of voice (laughs) because he knew you'd listen to her tone of voice (laughs) you know I said we talk about presence see that scares people what do you mean presence we all experience this in everyday life notice I said everyday life we have a law enforcement security people in this congregation various backgrounds various expressions some of them have had this experience they'll tell you i needed to go into a room i needed to go down an alley i needed to go down a street i needed to go around a corner and while i could not see that there was somebody there i knew somebody was there wow you sense the presence even though you didn't see a body yeah i just call it intuition good sixth sense. i mean we have all these see how science has helped us get all these verbiages you're like, this is really what's going on there's like well no we, we we have an ability to experience something we can't see we have an ability to feel something that's not necessarily but we know it's there and then maybe they take measures how did you know to divert and take a different path how did you know to do that because you're right if you would have gone it could have been tragic i just knew i knew somebody was in there but I didn't see them, but I knew that I didn't want to take one more step, and so I averted and took a different path, and it was confirmed. So we have the ability to experience presence without seeing the physical body. Oh. Some of those arenas that we have in life, we call it the sixth sense, we call it intuition, we have all these names that we give it. God says, you have the ability to study my word, but you have the ability to experience my presence. And God says, I want to talk to you. And if you know my word, you'll know when it's me. Yeah, people say, like, Well, when's this ever happened to you? I said, That's how it got me here. Some of you have joined the bridge recently, some who have been here for a while know the story. But as I was conversing with the leadership of this church about whether to come or not, there were a lot of challenges and things. And I was just like, hey, Lord, I want to be sincere. I would, never, I would never want to be misleading in my conversations. I would never want to misrepresent a position that my wife and I are in right now. And I said, God, I really don't know whether I want to go to Warrington and, and do this. I don't know if I want to just the stuff that needed to be. I don't know if I want to do that. But I'm interested. And just as clear as day, God spoke to my heart. If you go, I'll back you. If you go, I'll back you. That changed the tone of my conversation with the leadership. But it also, you know, as I processed it later, I went, you'll back me. So there are going to be problems. (laughs) How many know? If you ain't got no problems, you don't need backup. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you, I can't tell you what that did to me. Emotionally. Spiritually. Okay. Let's... Be more diligent in this conversation. Let's be more transparent. So I can can definitively tell you, do I believe God talks? Absolutely. What we haven't done is a good job of helping people to know what God sounds like. How does God talk? How do I know when it's God? A little exercise I did a few weeks ago, but I'm going to expand on this. And it's this. If you're sitting down and having a cup of coffee with Jesus, I, want you, I literally want you to put yourself there mentally. You're at a table, Jesus is two feet across the table. And you say the, this question, or I should say, He says, He starts to say this about you, He says this to you. And I want you to to fill in what you think Jesus would be saying to you. It's this. Hey, I really need you to start. I wish that you would... My desire for your life is... Most of you answered that in your head. You know what he's saying. You just never slow it down. And, and say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to change? How do you want me to go about this, Jesus? Jesus. Talk to me. Give me the right divine urges that need to be done in this particular context. God, I have a hard meeting today. What am I supposed to do? See, most of you, God fills in that blank as soon as you pause. When you stop talking, he starts talking. And we're sometimes afraid to go, well, I actually did feel something there. Because we're so afraid of being, well, you're one of those people. Jesus rebuked the religious leaders because they never heard God talk. And yet they knew the Bible. See, I know this freaks you out, but yeah, it's possible to know the Bible and not know God. Anybody heard of a guy named Satan? (laughs) He quoted the Bible to Jesus. It's about presence. That bread that we take in communion from the Jewish heritage of their Passover, do you know what they called the bread? The bread of presence. They really believed that when they took that bread, they'd feel God. Can you imagine that? We need to go have communion. Why? I need to feel God. When I take that bread, I'm taking in His presence. I'm going to have to finish the message next week. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Would you do that? We're going to wrap up the service in a totally, totally different way. Would everybody just close their eyes? I'm going to ask Pastor Malik to lead this song that we sang in the middle of worship. Some of you, God is talking to you right now. Right now. He's speaking to you. Come on with everybody's eyes closed i just be right because i don't want what's around you distracting you i want you sing this chorus come on let's lift our voice here i am to worship here i am to say that you're my god you're all together lovely all together worthy all Come on, everybody sing it. Come on. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful. Come on, one more time. Lift your voice, sing it here i am to worship here i am to bow down here i am to say that you're my god just going to ask them just to play the instruments only. I'm going to ask everyone just to lift your hands, close your eyes, and I just want you to listen. It might be awkward, but I'm asking everybody to honor this. For the next 30 seconds, I just simply want you to ask Jesus, what do you want me to change? What do you want me to do? And just wait. That voice will talk to you inside. Just as it did the Apostle Peter, it will talk to you. You'll know. 30 seconds, come on. sing that again and here's how we're wrapping the service up today I'll finish the message next week as we're singing this song I'm going to ask that you find a posture to actually make that song your prayer some of you might want to just come forward it says here I am to worship here I am to bow down listen church there's a time to sing it and then there's a time to do it so if you want to come Some of you just may want to turn around where you're seated and just kneel. Some of you just may want to sit down. That's fine. Some of you just may want to stand with your hands up raised. Here's what I'm asking. This is how we conclude for two minutes. Can you put yourself in a place where Jesus can talk to you and you talk to him and you do what that song says? Two minutes. I know there's children that need to be picked up and I get it. You can go when you sense that you need to go. No one's going to judge. Oh, you didn't stay as long as I did. You didn't do. No, no, no. What I'm more interested in this is this. Did you talk to Jesus and did Jesus talk to you? That's what's important to me. So that'll be our dismissal. Starting in two minutes from now, you're free to go whenever you want to go. But I'm going to ask Pastor Malik and this team just to sing that song. And more than a song, I'm asking us to do that song. So come on. Where you're seated, where you're standing, you can come forward. Two minutes, spend it with Jesus, and then we'll dismiss. You can go on your own. Blessings.